5,560 metric tons of dead salmon. What are you going to do with that? When it comes to doing things sustainably, a lot of answers are already out there. We turn garbage into gold. Welcome to the second volume of Coastal Roots Radio, Coastal Connections, Stories from the Atlantic. In this volume, we will continue to cover local perspectives and focus on inspiring stories of resilience and innovation in Atlantic Canada. Coastal Connections is a production of Coastal Roots Radio, produced in partnership with the University of Guelph and Memorial University of Newfoundland, Grenfell Campus. I'm your co-host, Jackie Bauman, and I'm joined by... Dr. Sandra Eager. If you're new to Coastal Roots, we're an international collaboration of communities, scholars, activists, and others who are dedicated to supporting the health, resilience, and sustainability of coastal communities around the world. Biodiesel? Sawdust? Dog treats? Collagen and soap? What do these have in common? Today, we're speaking with Ben Wiper to find out how his company, 3F Waste Recovery, is rethinking waste from the rural communities of Newfoundland's Northern Peninsula. Ben's story of innovation immediately intrigued us. I asked him to start from the beginning. Based on his experiences, what sparked this interest in waste? How did he get here? 3F Fish Farm and Forest is a company that takes natural resource byproducts and turns it into high-value ingredients, um, primarily in the nutraceutical, cosmetic, and pharmaceutical industries. The way that 3F got started was largely as a result of being laid off in, in the seafood industry. I moved to Newfoundland to install a cod filleting line at a fish processing plant and then generally manage that plant. Uh, the deal didn't work out. But I, when I walked away from that opportunity, um, I became very familiar with the challenges that uh, fish weight created, um, both financially in terms of its cost, but also just logistically uh, in terms of where do you store, where do you put it. When you've got other fresh perishable product in that's worth something coming into your plant, like your jam full of um, 60% of the codfish that you did yesterday was a waste sitting around in your freezers and your chill rooms and out on the dock and it's rotting and so a lot of challenges and so it built from there you know what do we do with the 60 percent of the cod that's waste after we take the fillets and that's kind of where it all started and i put a lot of time and energy into figuring out what i was going to do next that kind of jived with my values 60 percent waste that is a huge expense this reminds me of an article from hakai magazine that reported, when we throw away 46 million tons of fish, we are also throwing away the water, the energy, the labor, and the money that went into producing it. Recovering massive amounts of wasted potential is a big task. Ben explains what made this feasible for 3F. So the first question I asked was what raw materials are most abundant in Newfoundland and Labrador from the natural resource sector? because I knew natural products were hot, right? Natural ingredients, uh, sustainability, things like that. The second question I asked myself was, of those raw materials abundant in the province, which ones have the highest value applications for the least amount of work? Taking those two questions, I went out and engaged with just about every academic institution in Atlantic Canada, read through tons of research papers and reports, and 
I found the answers. And so the answers to those questions became the foundation of 3F and its starting point for its minimum viable products, um, as well as its long-term product development plans in each of the waste streams that I identified. What are some of the products fish waste can turn into? Ben explains the minimal viable product for 3F. So a minimal viable product is, you know, what is the product that I can get out on the market with the least amount of work that's going to make enough money that I can start getting some access to the raw materials, you know, start hiring some people, scaling up the business. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, on the fishery side of things, um, where we're at is we're working on uh, pet treats. We're doing a cod skin pet treat, a lump fish pump pet treat, and we're also doing a special species of clam uh, pet treat as well. And those products are all coming out um, before June of this year. The cod colskins are already out um, with major retailers across Canada uh, with listings. It is amazing how much we can reduce our carbon footprint just by recovering waste. Tackling fisheries waste is only one example. As the name suggests, Ben explains how 3F is also recovering value from forestry and farming. On the farming side, our minimum viable product is based on tallow. We're doing an animal fat or tallow-based soap, um, focusing primarily on moose and sheep soap. Um, again, soap making isn't super complicated, but it gets us into the market where we're you know, building relationships to get the supply that we need. And then on the forestry side, uh, where we're starting is on making uh, wood pellets. So what we did there is there's a waste management shop on the Northern Peninsula in that there's nobody recycling cardboard. So right now all the cardboard on the Northern Peninsula just goes to the landfill like anything else. And it's, it's costing businesses a lot of money, especially retail businesses like grocery stores, pharmacies, you know, people dealing in large volumes of, of cardboard to get rid of it. And so the town of St. Anthony actually approached us because the business owners were getting, you know, it, it was creating such an expense to them that they were at a risk of going out of business because of this cardboard expense. So the town contacted us and said, can you do something? And what we found out is that we can do a sawdust cardboard wood pellet for home heating. And so that's our minimum viable product on the forestry side. We're also, you know, solving a number of challenges there too. Because with the waste wood, when you're making lumber or timber, say for furniture or for housing construction, whatever it might be, that isn't profitable for a sawmill to do unless they have a mark for their waste wood. And what happened was five years ago, Kruger and Cornerbrook stopped buying the waste wood or the sawdust and stuff from the sawmills up on the Northern Peninsula. As a result, the sawmills up here basically no longer had could, could make their own lumber because it wasn't profitable anymore without a market for their waste wood. This is a great example of a missing gap between suppliers and local producers. How is 3F helping this situation? So 3F is stepping in now and making these three or four sawmills that have uh, either cut back on their processing or been reduced to just making firewood they're now able to go back to making lumber because 3F is now able to be a, a buyer of their waste wood to make these pellets. And that has ripple effects far beyond just here because anybody who's in construction knows that it's just skyrocketed since COVID. 
we're sitting here on this rock with all these trees, especially on the Northern Peninsula, but no sawmills can make it because capitalism says it's not profitable. This is where 3F can really change the game. We came in now, and now all of a sudden making uh, lumber up on the Northern Peninsula is profitable again, where the waste management uh, regional service provider couldn't come up with a cardboard solution over the past 20 years for the Northern Peninsula. 3F has stepped in and said, hey, businesses, we'll take all your cardboard. And not only that, our wood pellets now are going to be used uh, because my partner, he sells firewood through Labrador, serving the Nanatsuvit uh communities. We're now going to sell our wood pellets up through Labrador Nanatsuvit, which is going to further our environmental and, and uh, social impacts because we're going to be replacing diesel gener- generated electricity that people use for home heating in these communities with a fully renewable uh, solid biomass energy source. These are the types of solutions that 3F is, is trying to bring to market. And the difference that I think is with 3F is I'm not choosing the activities that are the most financially profitable all the time. I'm really looking at the triple bottom line in terms of the outcome. Our product stream and product line is so diverse that I can afford to have winners and loser products. You know, I might be able to take on a product that maybe 3F doesn't make money on, but I've got another product, say like our cod collagen, which is uh, you know going to be out later, that's going to be make us tons of money. So I can use the money from that to kind of, you know, fund these other ones that maybe don't make us so so much money. What does the future look like for 3F? After the minimum viable product, though, we have a full product development pathway that's going to keep us going for at least the next 10 years, uh, I hope, largely dependent on the success of our minimum viable products. So on the fish side, where we really want to go with fish is taking the oils out of fish and turning it into a biodiesel as a, as a long-term large-scale solution. The other thing that we're looking at on the fish stream is collagen. So the cosmetic ingredient that's great for uh, you know, skin elasticity, skin health, hair health, bone joint lubrication, um, kind of a miracle um, molecule. And we're making that from, from the fish skins, as I, I had mentioned, but we're also doing some really innovative applications and trying to get collagen out of kind of the even worse parts, the heads and the backbones. And right now, if, if we are successful at finding a way to get collagen out of the heads and the backbones, 3F is essentially finding a way to divert more than 6,000 metric tons just in Newfoundland and Labrador from going into, say, animal feed or fish sticks, you know, much lower value applications. So. Uh, creating all types of new, skilled, high-paying jobs rather than, you know, the more, I guess, say, traditional fish sector jobs that are, are mostly, you know, production laborer type positions. So, Promoting locally sourced products, not relying on imports, and stimulating quality jobs in the community are just a few of the many benefits from innovating with waste. Farming side, the interest that we're looking at long-term is we want to get out of the soap making and get into the tallow production. Tallow is the ingredient used in soap. So what we want to do is rather than all these artisan soap makers in Newfoundland, Labrador and Atlantic Canada that are importing beef tallow from who knows where, we're going to make it right here. And we're going to become the local supplier using all Newfoundland tallow from farms here going into the soap. No more need to import tallow. Um, And and so that's kind of where we're at on that. And the other product we're um, close to getting out of pilot scale on is lanolin, another cosmetic ingredient 
that is extracted from sheep's wool. Grocery side, after the wood pellets, uh, we've already got a line on purchasing a briquette maker, a firewood log briquette. So that's kind of next step. But long term, the real game changer for us on uh, the forestry side is getting into uh, graphene production. Uh, I won't say too much about about it. Uh, Graphene is is the world's first uh, two-dimensional material. It's only one atom thick, but it's stronger than Kevlar. And it's made from high heat incineration of wood waste. And uh, we're working on a proprietary process that will make this single layer graphene. And if it's successful, I mean, it's it's game changer for every industry. Uh, you can put graphene into concrete and all of a sudden you've got buildings that can withstand, you know, category 50 hurricanes or, I mean, it only goes up to category five, but uh, you know what I'm saying. So there, there's some real game changers there too. So that's how we plan to really stay relevant. How do we direct all sectors to embrace these innovative waste solutions in a way that supports the local circular economy. So this is the core of the entire paradigm shift towards a circular economy. Because what happens is right now we're in this world where people are talking about it and companies and organizations are making movements towards it. But the laws, the regulations, the policies don't line up. They don't line up. And, And what that means is things like you know, I want to do something with moose bone. But guess what? Moose bone's never been considered a product. It's always been considered garbage. So there's no rules on, can I export it? How do I have to treat it? What temperature do I need to heat it up, you know, so that it's safe? All this type of stuff doesn't exist because we're doing stuff that's right on the cutting edge of this new economy that's about to be born. Ben shares with us his take on what's needed for the challenges ahead. The problem that I run into, or the challenge, I should say, is is educating funding agencies and investors because they're stuck in the old paradigm of, you know, how, how the economy today works, the unsustainable economy. A company like 3F has to go out to the natural resource suppliers and be able to take all of their waste. I can't just go out to the cod company and say, I just want your skins. I have to take all of it. I got to take the heads, the backbones, everything, the trim. And so in order to be a true circular economy, I have to come up with really diverse, broad product lines that does something with everything. Because at the end of the day, you can't defeat the fact, no raw material, no product. And in order to get over that hurdle, you have to play by the rules of the natural resource sector primary processors, right? The people who are cutting the trees down, pulling the fish out of the water, you know, uh, picking the vegetables out of the farm. And that's where there's room for policy with carrots and sticks to encourage movements of primary processors towards a more circular economy, more internalizing the externalities of their activities. But that's a really big challenge. When policy doesn't align with the business model of the primary processors, then companies like 3F really have to blaze the trail on, well, how do we do this? Because those are the realities of the market right now is that I got to take everything. Internalizing externalities. An externality may be a positive or negative effect from a certain production. 
meaning a business can bring a cost or benefit to those uninvolved. For a while, companies have never really had to reduce negative externalities. An example of this would be the cost of air pollution to mitigate climate change, or in Ben's case, preventing fish, farm, and forest waste. Internalizing the externality of waste would mean that companies pay for the full cost of their actions, or avoid the cost in the first place. Government regulation and pricing are just a few ways of internalizing externalities and promoting extended producer responsibility. Now let's get back to Ben. The, the people who are butchering the sheep don't want to just give me the wool. They want, to take, they want me to take the heads, the hooves, the leg bones, the viscera. So I have to f- think of something to do with all of it in order to be successful. And that has really been the driver for why our product line is so diverse. And back to my earlier point, the reason, the challenge with investors and government um, lending agencies is that they're not, they don't know that model. They say, Ben, why is 3F so unfocused? Why aren't you focusing on just in the cod skins? They're, they're selling well. Why aren't you just doing that? And I'm like, well, I can't, because if I don't do something with the cod heads and the backbones, like make a protein powder or fish sticks or learn how to extract collagen from those parts, I'm not going to get the skins in the first place. You know, the way things used to be done is not going to work for much longer. And they need to jump on board the 3F train because we're coming through and I'm not really going to stop for anyone, to be honest. I mean, I'm going to holler from the highest peaks of gross morn if I have to, that this is the way ahead for this province. These waste management solutions by 3F can relate to many resource sectors. How can we bring this innovative thinking into all aspects of our local economies? Ben's determination to scale up local waste solutions comes with some bold thinking. To me, marine and mammalian bioprocessing, so basically pulling valuable ingredients out of animals and fish, is the next billion dollar industry in Newfoundland Labrador, hands down. And I also envision a world where the meat of the fish or the meat of the animal that's being slaughtered becomes the byproduct. Because companies like 3F have found such innovative uses for the rest of the animal or the rest of the fish that we're making so much money on that that the food is, well, let's do something good and, you know, cure world hunger or something, or let's solve food insecurity in, in the local community because, you know, we're making so much money off the guts of the fish and the skin and its eyeballs that the meat doesn't really matter. And it scares the living crap out of processors when I say things like that. Ben shines more light on these issues and suggests ways to overcome some of these barriers. The processors need to know that they've been sitting on their hands for the last 50 years, 100 years, knowing that these problems are there. But because it was equitable enough, they didn't do it, right? They just said, oh, I'll pay the 100 bucks a ton or the 50 bucks a ton, or I'll hire somebody to go dig an illegal pit out in the forest and dump it out there. And that's really a frustrating part. Trying to do something innovative in this space is that there is so much power in the hands of the, well, the people who are pulling the material out. And in Newfoundland, especially, the primary processors have huge amounts of power over raw materials because they're the only legal buyers. I can't go to a fisherman and say, let me buy your cod for the year because that fish harvester cannot legally sell those fish to anybody except a processor. So what that means is that companies like 3F, no matter how innovative we are, we will always be at the mercy of the processors. 
whether it's forestry farming or fishing side, unless the way that I can buy the material changes. That really burns me because I'm out here spending all this money, investing all my time and energy trying to figure out what to do with their waste. But once I figure out what to do with it, they're going to say, well, we want half your company, Ben, or else we're just not going to give it to you, right? So where's my incentive to innovate? So at the end of the day, I need the materials, and they're the only ones who can legally get them. Um, so that's a, that's a whole, whole another big, huge policy challenge that, that really, um, well, it really holds things back. How common are these challenges in coastal communities? Could we compare solutions from other countries? There are many solutions out there. It's kind of sticking to the ocean theme and fisheries. Um, to me, the best uh, move that Newfoundland Labrador could make would be to move to a direct auction market for all their fish. Um, because then anybody could go in and buy it, uh, just like Iceland does. Iceland's got a direct auction market. As soon as the fish has landed on the wharf, it gets posted online. People bid on it and they pick it up and away you go. Until we're there, um, 3F has to keep working within the rules of the game, but trying to change them at the same time. Just getting people to think that way is a really hard thing to do, especially when it's just so often in these sectors, it's hand to mouth, it's survival mentality. You have a bad year and you're almost wiped out as a business. I, I know I kind of come down hard on the processors, but I, I do have to say it's no picnic for them either. I mean, they've got a cyclical industry. Fish have tails and can swim away from where they normally have gone for the last 10 years. You know, all that stuff has to be factored in for them. And it very much, you know, if you kind of follow that line of thinking, you can understand why their business model for so long has been, okay, let's get that harvested, turn it into cash as fast as possible. It sounds like 3F has really started to make a positive difference. We asked Ben if he's noticed other changes throughout the industry since 3F has been involved, or if there's been a response from the community that might suggest a shift in perspective. Well, I'd say largely positive. On the cod side of the equation we've had some very positive reception from cod processors on the island um now that we're looking at you know doing something with the the heads and the frames um, of the fish because that's a huge problem for them um so that's opened up a lot of supply for us so they're much more willing to supply us to do trials and do things like that because you know they've seen we've had some success with the pet treats you know they, we're getting some grant money from the same government agencies that they're getting it from in newfoundland's a small place you know people talk and and so we're, we're getting some credibility. The other thing that's helped, I guess, sway opinion or, or kind of change things is partnering with Newfoundlanders and Labrador with my companies. I've formed three partnership companies in addition to 3F, each of those three with our 50-50 partnerships with a Newfoundland primary processor. That's my way that I'm tying into my supply chain is I'm, I'm getting in bed with the processors directly in our own partnership company. And at least that way I have some say over things. But connecting in with people from here has been a huge change for me in terms of the reception, both at government levels as well as with our suppliers. The other part is just uh, media. I had some good coverage from the broadcasts on CBC. I've done some interviews with a national magazine called Hakai that's covering us. That all kind of helps because it builds the momentum. It gets people talking. It gets people thinking. With all this momentum building up to a larger scale, what does this look like on the ground? Some other more concrete things I've seen is um, one of the big five processors in Newfoundland uh, this year, for the first time ever, 
put out a call to market saying that they would take all fish processors' heads and backbones from codfish. Now, they didn't say they were paid for it, but they said if you didn't have anywhere else to put it, you could send it to us rather than pay to dump it at a landfill. So that processor has went into making animal feed, uh, basically a, a concentrated protein for pet food. It's good to see that change. At least processors are starting to think about, geez, you know, we really should be doing something with this. Maybe we should change the way we do our business from let's turn this fish into cash as fast as possible. Maybe that's not what's best for Newfoundland. Maybe that's not what's best for our inshore fish harvesters communities. They need to start thinking about how do I do more with what I already have? Not how do I get more quota? How do I get more permit? How do I get big, big, big? That is the thinking that has driven us down this road we're on now. And to me, it's good to see that there's starting to be some shift. Okay, maybe it's not going to make us a boatload of money, but guess what? It's going to get my employees an extra six weeks of work. It's going to get my truck driver on the road. It's going to let him or her buy a new truck so they can expand their business and hire maybe another two drivers or, you know, by three acting in a circular economy way, it's almost inevitable that people will start seeing the connections between everything. I don't think they need to be explicitly stated. I just think they need to be demonstrated as successful. And I think that's really where 3F is changing the, the tone on, on the island in terms of, you know, the way primary processors think about their raw materials. We asked Ben what he's found to be most important for mobilizing 3F waste recovery. He reflects on the importance of community partnerships and building relationships. This is relevant to any local innovation, especially when it comes to rural and remote areas like we have in Newfoundland. At the end of the day, your supply chain, your customers, everything, it all boils down to those relationships that you build. Community-based relationships are the one that, 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 for me anyways, have always had the most power and influence to, to be able to achieve things that I can't do as a private company, right? If you are a private company that delivers value for a government body that's serving people, you're, you're a step ahead of somebody else, right? Like the other thing that I found that helped with uh, 3F engaging at community level is doing consulting work. Uh, we, we do a fair bit of consulting work that oftentimes lets us in the industries that we're trying to make products in, you know, we eat supplies in and things like that. But it also educates us. It also gets us into the communities where our raw materials are coming from so that the fish harvester up in Makovic knows Ben at 3F. And that fish harvester knows when he's sending us the seal blubber that we're going to turn it into a biofuel. Those individual relationships here on the island that you build at the community level, when you factor that in with there's no more than two or three degrees separation between anyone else on the island, highly encourage anybody else who's trying to get into um, this clean, green economy that, you know, you want to build those local relationships with your your community and uh, town councils for sure. Now, what's next for 3F? Uh, the large salmon uh, they're on track to set up uh, by the end of 2022 um, 30 
thousand metric tons of farm salmon per year coming out of their farms in Newfoundland. And one of those farms in Marystown is so big that it's goose 10 metric tons. So that's 10,000 kilograms per day of naturally dying salmon. And Phil in a small like Marystown, who maybe what has a thousand people, two thousand people. What are you going to do with what's that? 356 times 10? 3,560 metric tons of sa dead salmon. What are you going to do with that? So the College of the North Atlantic and Marystown and the Waste Management Board, they're 3F. And we worked with them together on uh, devising some solutions on, you know, how do we, what do we do with that? How do we process that much of, that much salmon? You know, the solution we're looking at for Marystown, you know, it's a, it's a 25 to $50 million project if you want to do it right. But the result is, is you've got unlimited fertilizer for all the farms in the community and you've got uh, uh, a biofuel and you've got free, uh, free heat to heat greenhouses out of it. So always opportunity at the community level, I guess, is the short version. What would be a good indication that 3F is making a difference? I want the price of garbage to go up. You know, people think I'm insane, but to me, the price of garbage going up means I'm doing my job really, really well. You know, when I'm paying a dollar a pound for cod skins instead of paying the, you know, 16 cents or so I'm paying right now, I'm a happy man. Because that means I found an application that's taking that dollar a pound skin that's maybe making me $100 a pound on the back end. Just getting people to think that way is a really hard thing to do, Jackie, especially when it's just so often in these sectors, it's hand to mouth, it's survival mentality. You know, it's you have a bad year and you're almost wiped out as a business and can't. I, I know I kind of come down hard on the processors, but I, I do have to say it's no picnic for them either. I mean, they've got a cyclical industry and infest a forest. Fish have tails and can swim away from where they normally have gone for the last 10 years. You know, all that stuff has to be factored in for them. And it very much, you know, if you kind of follow that line of thinking, you can understand why their business model for so long has been, okay, let's get that harvested, turn it into as fast as possible. So I do have some understanding, but I am really, really encouraged by what I'm seeing in terms of, you know, just the, this gradual kind of glacier pace shift. Imagine if we all looked at waste for what it could become, rather than how we can get rid of it. Look around. How much waste do you see being thrown away each day? Perhaps there's an opportunity to see the value in places we didn't think to look before. This thinking can bring us closer to a more circular economy, where everything is produced in a closed-loop cycle. The markets already exist for these products. And I think it's a really important message to get out to anybody that's listening, is that... When you think innovation, especially when it comes to clean and green, you don't have to do something brand new. What we find at 3F is that a lot of the things we're already doing are already happening in other parts of the world at scale. The machines already exist. The technology already exists. It's just it's innovative for our region. It's just nobody's been doing it here. And um, I, I think it's important to not get stuck on, oh, it's got to be like, you got to be the next inventor of an iPhone. No, 
You don't. You just have to find an opportunity like 3F did and say, geez, there's a whole lot of sawdust in Newfoundland. What can I do with that? And then look at what other countries are already doing with it and then do it yourself. And, and I, I just, it, it sounds simple and I know I'm kind of uh, glossing over a lot of hard work in the middle, but when it comes to doing things sustainably, a lot of answers are already out there. And it's just a matter of bringing that technology into your region and applying it. Wow. We learned a lot from Ben. We just heard about a man who was inspired by the amount of waste and unused potential and how he took action. He started 3F Recovery as a business to transform wasted natural resources into high-valued items. Now, he's helping his community to reduce their waste. I'm starting to see and feel this cultural shift on the island where people are I don't know what it is, you know, I don't know if it's a bit of envy, a bit of curiosity, what it is, what we're at here, but there's a buzz, right? People are starting to, you know, what's this crazy guy doing up there? This mainlander, he's, he's a bit whacked out, but curiosity is the first step to making this change. Here's a thought. Perhaps there's no such thing as waste. Maybe it's just resources that are in the wrong place. Ben's story has us reflecting on more than just rethinking waste. Where we place our values and how we spend our time is an important question we should all ask ourselves. Ben has helped myself and many others reflect on how we view waste and why that needs to change. What do you align with your values? Where do you work? What products do you purchase? Which businesses are you choosing to support? Coastal Connections is on a mission to prove that despite rapid environmental change, Communities are taking action to develop solutions that support coastal livelihoods. It's our goal to connect you with these stories to show that it's possible to be a steward for your coast. If you'd like to learn more about 3F Waste Recovery and other works from Ben, check out the show notes. You'll also find resources here on the Blue Economy Strategy and more. Thank you so much for joining us. Coastal Connections Stories from the Atlantic is a production of Coastal Roots Radio through partnership with the University of Guelph and Memorial University of Newfoundland. We will continue to bring you positive stories from Atlantic Canada throughout Volume 2 and are aiming to bring you a new episode at least once a month. Visit us on the Coastal Roots website at coastalroots.org. If you'd like to share a story with us, and we hope that you will, send us an email to stories at coastalroots.org. See you next time.